Well, folks, thank you again for letting me be here. As Tim has said, I'm your executive director. We try to herd and direct all of the churches in Michigan. Now, have you ever tried to direct a church? You don't tell churches what to do. They're Baptists. You don't tell Baptists what to do. Baptists tell you what to do. But they've asked us to help them focus their missions and evangelism and the work here in the state. And that's what we try to do. And it, it is, it's a lot of fun. And we're seeing God do some great things. Uh, right now, you have planted over 50 churches, got over 50 church plants going right here in the States. Thank you for doing that. You guys are doing a great job. Uh, you have teams that just came back from up in uh, New York, Vermont area, where there were flooding, who were doing disaster relief. You sent those teams. You were part of that. You made a difference in that. Right now, you have teams in disaster relief who are flying in and bringing in mobile units of all kinds into Hawaii. Uh, that's going on right now, and they'll be taking care of that. Anytime you see the Red Cross, and they have their Red Cross sign out there, and you see them feeding people, that's us. We do all of the feeding for the Red Cross, all of it. The Southern Baptist Convention Disaster Relief is the third largest disaster relief organization in the world. In the world. How does that happen? You. You do that. You say, well, listen, I, I, can't, I don't know how to use a chainsaw. You don't have to use a chainsaw. Uh, if you know how to use a broom, we can use you. If you want to be a chaplain, we can train you to do that. If you want to be on a cooking team, we can train you to do that. If you want to help with the washing and drying of clothes, we have units that we pull up disaster places that have washers and dryers in them and so forth, and it, people need to wash clothes. You help them with that. We have shower units and those kind. Of, we have a multiplicity of things where people have needs during disasters that you can be part of. I encourage you to take part of that training and look into that. God will bless you accordingly. Again, we're, we have seminaries all across the United States where you're training men and women for the ministry and the gospel right now. Uh, it's just a, the missionaries you have across the world uh, that you're sending every day that take, you take care of every bit of their needs, their food, their clothing, their insurance, their retirement, their children's education in the future for college. You take care of that and say, how are we doing that? Well, every day that you give here in this church, a portion of what you give goes through what we call cooperative program or cooperating together with our funds. We pull those resources together from thousands and thousands of churches across the United States to do those kinds of ministries because we can do more together than we can by ourselves. Thank you for being together with us for the gospel. Take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 1. Psalm 1, one of my favorite psalms in the text. It's just a wonderful song. I memorized this one years and years ago. It's been on my heart always, and it's, it's just a good guide in my life, and I pray it would be in yours as well. In Psalm 1, look at verse 1. It says, blessed is the man. Well, that's a good start, isn't it? You want to be blessed? He's going to tell you how to do it. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, who stands not in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but delights in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither. And whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, 
but are like the shaft which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Very clearly, he says, this is a wise man. What is a wise man? Here's what he is. He's blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, stand with passive sinners, or sit with the scornful. His path, basically, is different from that of the world. A wise man, a godly man who follows the instructions of God, who follows what God has told him and is blessed, does not follow the way of the world. He chooses a different path, and that's what he's saying. He doesn't walk the same way as a lost person. He doesn't walk the same as the world. You're different. I hear a lot of people tell me, oh, I'm a Christian. I said, well, really? Has that made a lot of difference in life? No, no, not a whole lot. Well, let me tell you something, my friends. If there is no difference, there is no difference. You get that? If, you, if there has not been a transformational work of God in your life, transformational, there has not been any relational. And he, a wise man who has been transformed by the power of God lives, walks, acts differently. He is blessed. The word there, blessed, it literally means blessedness. It refers to a, a joy and a satisfaction that comes from knowing that one is right in the middle of God's will. There's just something going on. You know it. Even though tough times and there's conflict in the world may bring difficulties, you know you're in the middle of God's will. That's what it, 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 you're, that what it, it means to be blessed. Blessed, and it talks, it's not just being the outward part. It's, there's an inward manifestation there's a happiness if you so to speak a joyfulness in his life why if he's blessed and he has this joyfulness that's ever abiding that has nothing to do with the circumstances or the happenstances around you what ha- what is it it's because he he does not listen to the ungodly man you don't listen to the wrong ones listen listen what he said he says who walks not in the counsel the words of the ungodly man. Uh, he, he doesn't listen to him. It, the word there, the ungodly man, he, he it has the idea of uh, someone who is unsettled, has no stability. Uh, they, have no, they have no purpose or aim in life. They, they have no rule to guide them or give them direction. It's not just that they don't want or have God. There are adverse effects for being that way. They don't have any direction in life. They have no purpose in life. Tim, I I deal with this as you do all the time, particularly with our very young, young adults right now, those who are, are, are very young. They feel hopeless because they have no purpose in direction, and they're trying to find it in every little piece and place that they can, and they're coming up very disappointed and very discouraged with life. They think and thought maybe if they had the right education or 
job, planning for the right job, that would give them purpose and fulfillment. A job would give them, employment would give them purpose and fulfillment. (laughs) And you ever lost a job? You ever put your hope and trust in a, in employment, and all of a sudden it's not there? We have millions like that today that are trying to find purpose and hope. That's what an God-like person, a person without God, has no aim in life. He says, you don't listen to them. and You don't, you don't follow someone like that because all they do is they're led by any and everything that they hope might give them something. You don't listen to the ungodly man. And he said, nor do you stand in the paths of sinners. You don't hang around with sinful people. You don't hang around with those who don't know God and don't walk with God and don't glorify God. Uh, The idea is that that person, that term there literally means it's a person that is a practicing sinner. They live that ungodly practice lifestyle. Who you hang out with matters. Who you are with matters. I found out the more I hang around certain people, the more I look like them and act like them. If you're a couple and you're older, isn't it weird how you start looking alike? I mean, sometimes Sabrina and I leave the house in the mornings. We haven't seen each other much in earth, and we get to go and get in the car and leave, and we're dressed alike. Oh, my Lord. It's terrible. We we, be, we hang out with someone long enough, you begin to act like them. You take on their characteristics, their attributes. My friend, this is so true in this passage here. You hang around with people who are sinful, ungodly people, you are going to begin to take on their actions and their attributes. Does it, you say, well, you can't just isolate yourself. I'm not saying live a monastic lifestyle where you cloister yourself in some little temple somewhere by yourself and contemplate your belly button. That's not what I'm saying here. I'm just saying when you are building relationships and you're walking with and living with and doing life with ungodly people, it'll make a difference in your life adversely. Now, do you need to be in the world? Yes, but not of the world. You understand the difference. He even even tells us this in the New Testament. You can be in it, but you don't have to be of it. This is being of it. We need to be witnesses. We need to share the faith. We need to live exemplary lives, but we need to be very careful that we don't linger too long with those who would affect us adversely. He said, he does not stand in the paths of sinners nor sit in the seat of the scornful. He didn't live as a scornful man. That, that idea is that he, he doesn't now start talking about speaking, believing, and promoting an anti-God perspective. Now, what I want you to see in this, look at this passage, those, those verses again. I would, do you see the digression and the decline that takes place? You start out walking with them. Next thing you do, you stop and you're standing with them. And then you're seated with them. It's a, it's a step by step 
downward fall. Uh, I'm just hanging around a little bit. Next thing you know, you're, you're standing with them. You're there. You've stopped and you're there. And then finally it says you just sit down with them and you're comfortable there and you take on their attitudes of anti-God. Happens all the time. I see young Christians who get caught up in this. Particularly when they go off to school or places of higher education and they get separated from their church family and their church community. They don't have the resources and the support that they need. That's why it's so important to be part of a local church, my friends. You say, well, I watch, I watch church on TV, and I hear people tell me that all that, or I watch it online. And yeah. One of my favorite things that I've seen on Facebook, which there's not a lot of favorite things I see on Facebook, one of them is says, you know, watching church online is like watching one of those fake fireplaces and trying to get warmth from it. You can't do it. We need each other. If we're going to live the kind of life that God wants us to live, we need each other. That's why it's important to be with each other each other and not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some are as we've been warned in the epistles. He said we make sure that we do not follow that digression and follow it and end up sitting down with them. It begins with taking advice from ungodly individuals and applying that advice to your daily life and then it results in you walking with or hanging around with them and getting those wrong influences. And now today there's a term that is used quite readily, influencers on the web and different sites and so forth. You need to be careful who you use as your influencer. This should be your influencer, the word of God. So we saw that digression, but notice what he says in the next part. He, he, he's, he says he delights something. His path is this, and it's separated from the world, but he delights in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. That's the difference. You see this one and that digression that he followed. Then we see, but his delight, a real godly man, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and he meditates in it day and and night. His pleasure is that he is satisfied with the word. God's word, it's captured his, his full attention. God's word has his laser focus. He loves the word. I have a question. Does God's word make you happy and joyful? What did he say? He said he delights. That word delight. Is there anything that you really delight in doing? I mean, in just in life. I'm not talking about a spiritual thing. I'm not, you know, I'm just saying, what do you delight in doing? Some men will say, man, I, I think I'm the happiest when I'm in a deer blind. And, you know, I'm just, man, I, I just delight in that. Uh, my wife is... She has great delight when she's 
shopping at Dillard's. I mean, that's just, that's, she's, that's great delight. In it. She loves that. Uh, I, I don't know what delights you. Maybe it's a cup of coffee, you know. Here, here's mine in the mornings. I, I, I don't get a lot of time by myself in life. I'm usually around a lot of people a, a, lot, a great deal of the time. So early in the mornings, I'll get up, and it's just before sunrise, and I'll go out on my back porch veranda out there, and I will sit down with a cup of coffee, and my dog will come out and lay down beside me, and I put on some music out there, and I watch the birds eat seed and scatter it all over the place. <sighs> I delight in that. That's just good. That's for me. Now, some of you are going, that's the most boring thing I've ever heard in my life. God, hey, what's wrong with you? Well, each to his own, but that's what delight, I delight in that. Now, there's something you do. It may be ice cream. I don't know. It could be chocolate, something like that. It, it, I don't know what your delight is, but think of that for just a moment. I've just mentioned mine. Think of that. Now, that emotional experience that you're feeling there, do you have that when you get into God's word? See, that's what makes the difference. It says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. It captures his full affection. It, it, it claims his, his, his full attention because he says, and he is in that law, that word, he meditates on it day and night. That word meditates a unique word. It, it really comes from kind of an agrarian biological term that, that meant to ruminate. Now, rumination is the process of, of uh, taking in food in a particular animals that have different chambers or stomachs, and they take it in, and it's part of their digestive system. I, I don't want to go into too much detail because it's a little gross at times we think about it, but, you know, cows, they'll take food in, and then they call it, Chew in the cud, and they'll bring it back up, chew it a while, and think about it. What they're doing is they're adding enzymes in there at different levels to help break it down, and they break down the physical part, and then they'll bring it back up, chew it again, and take it back down. Sheep do very something very similarly. But it, it, it's a process. They don't just chew it once and swallow it, and it's gone. They ruminate. They chew it. They go back to it again and again until it's fully absorbed. That's the word he's using here. He said, you meditate on God's word. You go back to it again and again. You chew on it. You, you do everything you can to get all the goodness and nutrient out of it as you can. That claims your attention. God's word. What will be the result of that? This is so cool. I love this part. Don't you love God's word when he teaches you something? He just said, if you'll do this, follow this, do this principle, this comes about. It, it's just so good. He says, you're going to be like a tree. A tree planted by rivers of water. Bring forth your fruit in the season. Your leaf won't wither, and whatever you do will prosper. Talks about his prosperity there in that verse. One, his, his prominence, you're going to be like a tree. Trees withstand the storms of life. Have you ever wondered why trees grow in forests 
Have you ever wondered that? And you don't just see, most of the time, you don't just see a tree out by itself. It's just unless somebody has placed it there or somebody has removed all the other trees around it. Most trees grow together. You know why that is? Because their root system intertwines and they find support from one another. They hold together. Each other helps support the other. And that's particularly true with trees who have lesser root systems. They stick together so they can stand stronger. You shall be like a tree that is planted with great root systems. Strength is there. You'll stand out. He says, you're, you're like a tree that's planted by rivers of water. You're firm, you're strong. Your position is that you're, you're by a river where there's a source of nutrient and sustenance at all the time. I, I grew up in West Texas. If any of you have ever had the privilege of driving through West Texas, you're going, why? West Texas is flat and dry and dusty, mesquite bush, jackrabbits, and oil wells. That's pretty much it. I mean, that's what you have out there. I often said that West Texas is where God sat down and made the rest of the world. It's just flat and dry. It just, that's what it is. One of the things about West Texas, as I said, I'm mentioning, it's just dry and desolate. There's not a lot of green out there. There's just not at all. But if you're driving along and all of a sudden you see green trees, you know something's going on. You can be driving along out there and all of a sudden you'll see all these green trees meandering across. And if you see that, you can guarantee there is a creek or a river there. That that's why those trees are there. When everything else around them is parched and dry and brown and a ribbon of green is going across, that is because that is a river. Those trees are by the river. And because they are by the constant flow of the river, they have constant nutrients and sustenance and they grow strong. And that's the reference he's making to. You're planted like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water. And what happens as a result of that? It brings forth its fruit in its season. It has productivity. It, it, he's blessed. It, it branches out. It produces. Whose leaf shall also not wither. It has this perpetuity. It just, it's constantly green. It's talking about an evergreen there. It's not one that just drops its leaves. In, uh, in certain states, there are evergreens. We know that there are particular conifers here in, the, uh, in our area that stay green all the time. Even in, out in Texas where I came from in the warmer area, there are, are trees that are deciduous trees that are called live oaks that they're, they, they stay green all the time. There are just certain trees that do that, and that's what he's referring to. He said, you just stay green all the time, and you're producing, and there's a prosperity that comes about, and whatever he does shall prosper. Now, let me say something about this. The prosperity he's talking about here is not financial, by the way. 
He's not talking about name it and claim it and have a prosperity gospel. That's not, that has nothing to do. Prosperity here is prospering in him spiritually. Does that mean you won't, that you will never have financial prosperity? I don't know. It depends on how hard you work, you know. Depends on how you do your investment. Depends on what you do. It depends on the, the favor of God. I don't know. But not all of us are the same. And by the way, just this is real quick. You know why you're not real wealthy? It's because you really can't be trusted with it. Because most of the time, if God gave us too much, We'd mess it up. He's being gracious to many of us by keeping us dependent upon him. So don't, don't always look to the man who has great wealth and say, oh, I wish I was like that. Oh, I would need that. Not necessarily. God knows what we can handle and what we need. This is where you trust the sovereignty of God and say, God, you know what I need. You've taken care of me. I thank you for what I have. Now, that doesn't give you an excuse to be lazy and do nothing, but it, I'm just saying, folks, trust him and rely on him, knowing that he knows best for us. And prosperity is not having accumulation of things. And then he goes on to say, look, he says, but the ungodly, they're not like that. This is good. He, he told us what to do. Here's the results. But here I'm telling you, he says then, but if the, godly, the ungodly who don't do that, here's what happens. The ungodly are not so, but are like the shaft which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. He talks, he gives, a, he gives the results of the wicked man and what they're going to end up like. He, he's, he basically says he, he's driven about by every wind of the world. He has no control over his life. He says the ungodly are not, are not so, they're like chaff. Now, chaff, uh, those of us who are not reared in agrarian society, we, we don't think about this very much, but chaff is the outer husk or hull of like wheat or oats or, or some other grain type uh, produce that they, it has to be taken off. The rough, hard shell has to be taken off. And it's, it's light and kind of, feathery, and, and in this particular time and in this setting, in cultural setting, what they would do is they would, they would gr kind of rub it and, and roughly roll over the grains and stuff to break the outer husk loose, and then they'd put it all in a big, big uh, cloth, and people on different corners of it, they would take it, and then when the wind was blowing, they'd throw it up in the air, and the, the seed, the kernel, would fall to the back down into the sheet or the, the uh, cloth and the wind would blow the outer husk away. They just blow it away. It's, that's how they separated it. That was a separating system they used back then. There are more modern ways to do it now, but that is how they did They'd throw it in the air and it'd, whew, it'd just go away. The good stuff would stay. He said the ungodly are like, the bad stuff that just gets blown wherever the wind wants it. And the good stays. The ungodly, but they're like the shaft which the wind drives away. My friend, when you live a godless life, you are subject to the winds of the world. 
and it'll blow you wherever it wants to go. But if you are godly, applying God's word, living God's word, you're rooted like a tree. And when you're rooted with the rest of the family of trees, you're strong. And when the winds blow, you remain. He's driven. He's also doomed. He says the ungodly, they're not going to stand in the judgment. They're not going to be before God in the godly judgment that we'll stand with. Nor will sinners get in the congregation of the righteous. They're not going to make it. He said, you mean that God's not going to let some people in? Yeah, that's it. They're called ungodly. Ungod people will not be with God. When you choose to be ungod, to be not part of God, you're not going to be part of what God has in the future. He said, that's the result. They're doomed. They are doomed to be not in God's presence. But what? The Lord knows the way of the righteous. But here's the ultimate end. The way of the righteous, we're going to be We're going to be with him. He knows us. But the way of the ungodly shall perish. It's called damnation and judgment. Not of a godly kind, but of a judgment until doom and damnation. Isn't that an amazing passage? That wonderful word from God. Because all we need to do is take God's word and apply it to our lives. Just follow the instructions. Live it. Walk it. Hide it in your heart that you, that you don't sin against him. Believe it. And I'm telling you, my friends, he will plant you strongly where you produce and where you're profitable, where, you, where you're green and growing all the time. When the storms come, it won't take you out. I'm going to ask that question again. What do you delight in? I mean, what do you just get giddily happy about? If it's God's word... My friends, you are blessed and will live a blessed and godly life. Father, thank you for your word today and the attentiveness of your people. God, I pray that we will not only just be hearers of the word today, but we would truly be doers of the word. God, we would receive and apply these things to our lives, being conformed to your image. So, Father, this morning, as you have spoken to us through the word, may we respond to you. May we listen to you. May we obey you. So, Lord, as we have this time of singing, if, if, I pray, God, if you've spoken to somebody's heart and they need to respond, they need to do something, they need to say yes, or maybe they need to say no to some things, God, I pray they'll do so. 
under the conviction and the power of the Spirit. And they will leave this place more committed to you and more like you than ever before. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.